Hello everyone, this is Arlen, and this is your first million. We are moments away from the vice presidential debate in the U.S. Uh, as I as I upload this, and as you listen to it, you'll probably hear it after that, but mm, we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> this is not what this is about, though. This is about Unconventional VC and their new report, and I thought... Um, that a lot of you might be interested in listening, especially if you do any DNI work, if you if you've been curious about um, any updated stats, uh, and just because hey, Thea and Nora have awesome accents, what are you gonna do about it? So here's the deal: um, Unconventional Ventures, which is you can find it at unconventional unconventional.vc. They are a venture fund and. And the Nordics, so they're based out of Copenhagen and Stockholm at the moment, and they invest across the Nordics and then uh, uh, parts of Europe. They invest in the same types of founders that Backstage Capital, my investment fund, invests in. And what's been really, really fun and cool is that I was uh, fortunate enough to be the very first LP, which means limited partner, which is the type of a partner that makes an investment into a fund. So I was their very first LP a couple of years ago uh, and have been working with them since. And actually um, started out with Tia, with Thea, sorry. I say her name in four different ways, with Thea. And she just launched this thing and like a rocket and it's just been so great to watch her. And then I knew Nora separately at Unitech because she does some amazing work in Stockholm and beyond. And I knew that they would really get along and they both had the same missions and different styles, and I knew that that would be really complimentary. So I connected them, and they ended up, they surprised me, and ended up working together. And they joined force, forces. So if I thought unconventional could, couldn't get any better, I was wrong. It could only get better with one exception, and that's Nora. And so they've joined forces. They make investments. investments. Um, I'm a little bit under the weather, so I know my voice is a little weird, but that's what that is. They make investments, and... They're cooking, right? Um, you may have seen me announce it, help announce, help them announce it. They've got investors all over Europe and now the U.S. And uh, I'm just really proud of them. I think they're amazing. They're still the underdog. They're still doing the good fight. And they just released an amazing report where they go into great detail about the specifics of diversity, inclusion, investing mainly in Europe and in the Nordics, and they, they bust some myths really, really early on in this. And what they did was they did a video presentation of it uh, just a, a day or two ago to announce it. So it's a PDF you can, you can download at unconventional.vc, but they also did this video presentation to go alongside it and to answer even more questions and to guide you through it. And I grabbed the audio from that, and that's what I'm going to play for you today. I think it's probably one of those things that you want to listen to when you have some time away from work and you just want to do a deep dive. It's just really interesting stuff. Can I say this? If you are an LP, if you are an angel investor, if you are a GP, a general partner at a fund, or if you have a family office, any of those things, no matter what country you live in, but especially in Europe, and you're listening to this, please, please, please listen to this whole thing. At least give it 20 minutes, and then and then you can hang, hang up the phone, as it were. Listen to this, because they 
um, are going to help you. They're going to help you right now and accelerate your learning in a way that anyone who doesn't listen to this, uh, you have an edge over them. You have an edge over them by listening to this. So I would say founders, for sure, you're going to dig it. You're going to know this stuff, though, because you live it every day. But it is uh, some good stuff. If you're interested in talking to Nora and Thea about an investment and you are a woman, a person of color, LGBTQ, or uh, immigrant, other, etc., in Europe, especially if you're in the Nordics, um, get in touch. If you're in other parts of the world, get in touch. I know that they are starting to look at African companies. I know that they are looking uh, anywhere where they can find the best and the brightest companies that are led by underrepresented people, underestimated people. So without further ado, I will uh, throw it over to Nora and Thea at unconventional.vc. Hi, everyone. Uh, a very warm welcome. I think we're going to take a minute and let people uh, manage the Zoom link and see how people are joining us bit by bit. It is not as sunny as we had been experiencing. It's a bit great today, but I hope wherever you are that you might find some, not just sunshine, but some interest of actually being here to listen, to understand where we are, but above all, to understand how we're going to move forward uh, and tap into the very huge amount of untapped potential. Together with us today, we have a lot of exciting speakers with us with amazing insights. And all of us are here to try to understand and above all, create that knowledge transfer so we can learn by each other and for each other. Uh, I'll start off by maybe Presenting myself. My name is Nora Baby. I'm the general partner at Unconventional Ventures. And together with me, I have my amazing partner, Thea. Thea, can you hear me? Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. So, Thea, it's finally launch day. How do you feel? Actually, now I'm very pumped. But as you know, Nora, we haven't slept much the last 72 hours. So we're, we're very excited to, to get this out to the world. And, and I'm so excited about having these different types of profiles and exp experiences and expertise with us today, because I think that's one of the key things in, in really making the change that we all want to see. It surely is. And I think what is really exciting with that is that we've really dug into the data and trying to understand and seeing so many possibilities. Um, but uh, but in, in, in retrospective, what we need to do is also look into where are we? So I think what is really exciting is trying to understand what the effects have been from the work that is being put in and have been put in, uh, but above all, create those strategies together, right? Yes. And before we dive in, um, I actually promised Nora to give you three slides today because Nora and I, we're going to do a little bit of a run through of the report that actually just launched two minutes ago. So you can, after the, the webinar, you can go to our homepage and you can see the amazing report that you all have contributed to. I have to admit, I have a little bit more than three slides because the content that we are releasing today is so important and it's so um, new 
in many, many ways. Some of you might know the report that we published last year and it was quite depressing news. Uh, we have to disappoint you this year today. Um, it is gonna be a little bit disappointing, but we also have some new data that's gonna probably make some of you jump in your chairs. At least I'm gonna jump here a little bit with, with releasing them with you today. So, Nora, should we go to it? For sure. Um, and just to, I think, diving into this, I think it's important to mention that we had huge aspirations and ambition to really look at this beyond the gender uh, diversity. But it's important to also acknowledge that we need to realize that the inputs that we're putting in is so important for every kind of data point. Uh, but because of the the hard regulated uh, um, it is to find data points beyond gender. We had some really important lessons that we're actually taking with us, but we'll talk more about that going into the, to the data. Yeah, let's get started. As we say in, I don't know whether it's Danish or Norwegian, Swisskin på diskin. Let's dive into it. So the capital, if we do a snapshot for the Nordics, 2019, they look like this. 93% of all venture capital and high-risk capital going into Nordic startups in 2019 went to all male teams. If we dive into looking at the mixed teams, so the teams that have at least one female founder on the founding team, we go down to 6%. And then the depressing number of 1%. We've heard about the global 2% before, and actually this number is the reason why we even started creating a report like this. 1% of all venture capital in the Nordics in 2019 went to all female teams. And if you compare the 93 to the number one, we have a tremendous opportunity out there ready to be unleashed. Before we dive into how to unleash it and, and what potential that might bring, we in the Nordics like to compete. I'm Norwegian myself, I live in Denmark, and, and, and what the Danes don't like about the Norwegians is that we always think that we are best in everything. Happily in denial? I think so. Let's start with Norway. Well, actually, Norway is doing quite well on one parameter, and that's mixed teams. And we did actually see that at last year's report as well. There was a shift in, in funding data in the Nordics going to mix. But we also confirmed the trend that we saw last year, which was that all female teams in Norway are struggling in terms of raising the funding. You might say from a diversity perspective, well, actually, mixed teams are the ones that will do better and they are the ones that will have true, at least gender diversity from day one. So it is a good idea to have, have diverse founding teams, but there should be room for all male teams and there should be definitely more room for all female teams. So even though Norma is winning at some parameters, we really <coughs> do need to do some shift in terms of all female teams. If we look at the other countries, um, and other countries that the country that actually has probably the most potential is the country where I'm located, and that's Denmark. So in 2019, 
1% went to all male teams and 4% went to mixed. This is something that the Danes and the Danish ecosystem is acutely aware of. Um, and, and I know there's a lot of initiatives being sparked to make this happen. Some of these people, amazing profiles, doing tremendous work, also being featured in the report. One country that maybe is a little bit surprising is actually Sweden, because Sweden was doing very well in mix last year and actually is, is for 2019, is down to 4%. But we do also know when we dive into the historical data, there's some other, other developments that is interesting to look into. If we look at Iceland, they're also doing very well and mixed. Um, when it comes to the all-female teams, they're not doing that well. But, but the fact that they actually have a combined total of 14 going to mix is a very positive thing. Finland as well, it's actually quite high on the all-female, having 5% which makes them actually on front on the all-female team performance in the Nordics. If we dive a little bit into how this has developed over time, and Nora, I can't see you now, so if you're sending me some secret tricks, just interrupt. <laughs> Nora and I usually have these tricks when we're pitching to investors to see when we should interrupt each other. So, so Nora, please help me with that. Yes, and I'll just jump in and, and just add that for 2020, as you can see, I think it's important to highlight that in the report, we have data until the first half of 2020. And what is really exciting about the first half of 2020 is a major shift. But we need to be aware that there are a lot of things that has happened that will affect these numbers, but the outcome we won't know until next year. We'll do like this and hope that this trend sticks for the Nordics. But you can see over the last six years, five years, there has been a, a quite steady, not tremendous development in a positive direction. But let's hope that 2020 plays some tricks on this development. One thing that we are very um, interested in is actually looking at the differences between how many rounds are there and actually how much funding. And this is because even though there's a lot of rounds, it doesn't necessarily mean that the founding teams get the, the right amount or enough amount to actually build those businesses that they, they want to build. And for the all-male teams and the mixed teams, it's actually not that big a difference. But when you look at the all-female teams, which is the one all to the left, you can actually see that they have to raise more than three times as many rounds to get the same amount of funding. And, and in the report, and this is something we've learned from our colleague from January Ventures, um, she calls it, she coined it, the female founder penalty, meaning that they have to fundraise again and again, and they have less capital to actually build a team, to pivot, to test, all these things that we know are so crucial in the early stages of, of um, a high growth potential company. So again, here there are some really improvements to, to capture. And one of the areas that we, we know from research is really apparent when it comes to this is actually unconscious bias in the investment um, decision. Because when we're talking about early stage funding, you can do all the, um, the analysis and all the forecasts on how this is going to develop. But at the end of the day, when it's high risk, 
it's really down to do I as an investor truly believe that this person has it in her, himself or herself to take this from one to thousand to put 320% in for the next 10 years or at least for the next five. We see early IPOs, we see later IPOs. So this is actually a really important graph and I'm gonna speed up now, I see that. This is probably, so besides seeing that we have true potential, the funding gap is alive and kicking. The other key takeaway um, from this meeting and hopefully what, what you can dive into in the report afterwards is that though we have had the BCG studies and the McKinsey studies showing that female founded or female led companies actually overperform, we haven't had a true um, analysis diving into the details of the Nordic region. Through our friends at Slush, we actually got to, uh, got to analyze these data. Um, and what they proved is that actually female founder companies overperform by 45%. So 1.45x in terms of revenue related to the amount of funding raised. And this is a very, very important number because what we have tend to do when we see this research from the UK or from US, we have this notion in the Nordics that, well, that's them, it's not us. We don't have that problem. But actually, we, we can see now that that high potential that we see from those global research studies is actually also just as apparent in our own turf, in the small corner of the, the world in Nordic region. And diving into, so what do we do with this? So we can see there's huge potential in terms of a lot of talent, if you accept that talent is evenly distributed across genders and backgrounds, and in this case, we're looking at gender, and we can see that they overperform, well, what do you do? Well, we look at the decision makers and who actually has access to that capital. Um, so what we've done in the research actually is going through and see who are the investors, who are the funds who actually invest in these companies. So this is a pool of, of, um, of analyzing what does the VC firm's teams look like when it comes to gender. And again, like Nora mentioned in the beginning, this is the beginning. The next step is actually also to look beyond gender and backgrounds. Um, and what we can see, particularly for the VC firms, is that roughly 80% of the members are men and 20% women. What we also can see, and, and here we have really had amazing expertise and competence from our friends at Deal Room, we wanted to test, so what is the correlation? Again, we've had international research from Harvard Business Review actually um, identifying and confirming that there is a close relation, uh, correlation between who, who writes the checks, who decides the checks, and actually who gets funding. And then again, in the Nordics, well, we don't care about that. We only care about the person. That's what we all, we all hear again and again. But the challenge is that that's not the case, not even in the Nordics. So with this study, for, for people uh, like myself, who are not very used to scatter charts like in my daily life, this doesn't necessarily seem like a very clear picture. But actually when you do 
you dive in and you do the statistical tests that actually can prove that there is a correlation. There is a quite clear correlation in the Nordics in terms of what has the diversity of the funds been and to what extent have they actually invested more diverse. So dive into the report. Uh, our dear friend Adiru Matteo has written a, a, an incredible guide on how he has calculated and how, how we actually can prove it statistically. And then diving into the last part. So in the report, we have, and, and we know that from feedback from last year, that people really appreciated all the insights. So this year we have even more quotes, we have even more insights for you from people from the ecosystem, from the Nordic ecosystem, but also from outside the Nordic ecosystem. And, and based on the research and based on their findings, there are some clear patterns on what to do next. We know there's a gap in the funding. We know that they overperform. And at the same time, we know we don't have much diversity on the decision makers. So we listed up four sort of very practical call to actions for the investors. And there's many areas that can improve, be improved, but we're focusing on the investments and those who hold the powers of the investments are the investors. Um, so in the guide, we're really focusing on, it's really important that the investment firms become more diverse in their teams and also manage to retain, create an inclusive culture that actually uh, retains diverse employees. Um, they also think it's really important that they, they um, start in track and, uh, and create a lot of transparency about the data. And in, just to put a mention on that, we actually, thanks to our help, obviously our main partner Norwegian Capital Association, but also friends from the Swedish Venture Capital Association and the Finnish Venture Capital Association, tried us really to get survey and get insights from the venture industry on how they track and how they actually look upon the data. And, and what that confirmed is that there's still a lot of way to go when it comes to transparency and also willingness to open up to how do we actually measure our portfolios and the diversity of those portfolios and the correlation between that and the performance. So that's one of the really important learnings from the process of creating this year's report is that we need more data, not only from the outside looking at the startups and the diversity of the startups and who get fundings in that correlation, but also the investors need to track internally into very, very specific detail. Some of them already do it, but it's not there to actually be opened up for, for, for the broader audience. So that's something that we encourage. And we also really encourage that the investor, and this doesn't only go for the investors who invest directly into the startups, but particularly the investors who invest into the funds. You need to um, be more proactive on actually seizing this opportunity if you want to be a part of it. I remember 10 years ago when we had the discussions about, hmm, will climate change, sustainable finance products, is there an interest? Uh, do we really believe in it and see now how, how those products are overperforming and those who were the only movers on that wave are the winners, winners today. If you translate that into the space of diversity and inclusion, 
which actually has some of the same characteristics in, in terms of, of, of resistance from society, because we haven't, there's something new, we have to change something, is the exact same thing. So um, a call to action for the limited partners, the institutions and hold the financial infrastructure out there, go out, find your funds, find the funds that really have a strategy for this and you will do good on the performance of your portfolio. Thank you so much, Saya, for that. And that actually brings us to our next speaker, uh, which this report would not be possible without. Uh, let me welcome you, Paul Donovan from UBS. UBS being a very proud partner to us and making this possible. Paul, can you hear me? I can indeed. Ah, uh, perfect, a very warm welcome. Uh, we've been really excited to, to create this to have that baseline over the Nordics and look into, like we mentioned, the untapped potential. And you are not just a very known person in this um, section, but you also have some really interesting uh, perspective about the why and how that is quoted in the report. Uh, and you mentioned uh, the fourth industrial revolution. Why is diversity important and what effect has the fourth industrial revolution going forward? So thank you, uh, Nora. that's a very good question. I mean, the, the fourth industrial revolution is a process of structural change. Um, it's based around robotics, digitization, automation, artificial intelligence, all of that. Um, and I would argue that the structural changes associated with this have actually been accelerated by the pandemic. The pandemic has not brought about change, it has sped up change that was already underway. Now, when we look back at uh, periods of dramatic structural change, right back to the first industrial revolution in the 1760s and 1770s, people often tend to focus on the technology, get very excited about the technology. Well, I'm here to say the technology is the least important thing about the changes that are happening. Because it's not the technology that, that makes a difference to either the economics of the firm or the economics of a country. It's what you do with the technology that matters. It's how you implement the technology that matters. And this is where diversity plays such an absolutely critical role. Because uh, what you need to implement technology effectively and efficiently is to have the right person in the right job at the right time. That's it. That's the simple solution to economic success over the next 20 years. Right person, right job, right time. If you are going to start consciously or unconsciously saying, I'm not going to hire them because they're a woman, or I'm not going to hire them because I don't like their sexuality or I don't like their race or whatever irrelevant reason you're going to use, you are guaranteeing failure because you're not getting the right person in the right job. Uh, and that then is going to undermine the potential uh, economic and financial benefits of the fourth industrial revolution and cause actually quite serious damage. So this is why this relationship between uh, avoiding prejudice uh, having an inclusive, diverse uh, environment is so important in maximizing the gains of the fourth industrial revolution. 
And I love that you touch upon the, the te te technology in that sense is not important. It's what you do with the technology. Uh, but also that you mentioned diversity beyond gender, because sometimes I, I fear that our efforts are so focused on one particular group that we don't realize that that doesn't guarantee inclusivity. So with that being said, what do we need to do when these reports are, uh, are there to understand and to strategize? So you're, you're quite right. The, the real value of um, diversity and inclusion comes in two distinct ways. So the first is just you know, regardless of any irrational criteria, you pick the right person for the job. But then there's a second sort of specialist subset of right people, which is when you are making decisions, you need a range of views sitting around the table. You need diversity of opinion, particularly when you are in the midst of radical structural change. If you have got a monoculture, if everybody is thinking the same way, that's extraordinarily dangerous. Because if the world's being turned upside down, as it is at the moment, and everyone's thinking with just one mindset, you're going to miss opportunities, and critically, you're going to miss the risks. A monoculture of thinking is how Lehman Brothers happen. So what you need is a diversity of views, people prepared to challenge. And of course, if we start looking just through one particular aspect of, of prejudice or diversity, and we say, right, we have got a diverse decision-making board because it's 50-50 male-female. Well, yes, but if they're all you know, sort of uh, white Nordic men and women who've got a very similar class background, a very similar education background, a very similar outlook on life, that's not going to give you diverse opinion. You're going to have a monoculture. So it's, it's so important to get a range of opinions, a range of perspectives coming in across more than just one uh, division of prejudice. We've got to have genuine diversity of thought. That's what really matters. Thank you so much, Paul. Sometimes I feel like I'm listening to my own words being told. Uh, and I think that what is really important with the messages that you are presenting are going back to what we said is, is diversity important? Yes, because it, it affects the outcome and the, the potential. Uh, how do we go about it? Well, I think that's kind of where we are right now, that together we want to create that baseline and see what strategies can we implement so we can tap into that type of potential, but with that also make sure that we're our, we are broadening instead of narrowing, going from, from, from mono to several. Um, is there anything else you would like to add as a feedback on the report on what you know and what you've heard today? Well, I think the, the, the one thing I would highlight is that when we're going through a period of change, as we are, um, what we have to recognize is that in any period of change, there are winners and there are losers. And I think that the, the risk always is that the people who lose out in this process of change naturally look for someone or, or a group to blame. And so what we find during periods of change is prejudice tends to rise and diversity becomes more difficult. 
So in other words, it's not just the case of saying, well, you know, diversity yields better results, therefore we should you know, fight for diversity. Actually, we have to redouble our efforts because the natural bias, which we see everywhere today in terms of society and politics and so on, is that during a period of change in an increasingly complex world, people will turn to prejudice and, and anti-diversity as sort of a simple solution. It's not my fault I lost my job, that person stole it, so therefore you know, they are the problem. Um, that's what we've got to fight against. So I would argue that it's not just, I'm afraid, the positive story of diversity that is going to have to shape us over the next couple of years. We've also got to fight against the risk that uh, negative aspects arise from this period of change. We've got to push back hard against prejudice to make sure that diversity yields the economic benefits we all know it can generate. Thank you so much, Paul, for not sh just sharing your valuable insights, but also being a very valuable partner in this, in this work with the report. So I thank you. thank you. And with that, I would love to move into looking at, at a closer uh, perspective, namely Norway. And having an amazing partner on board and looking into the Nordic market, we have Ellen with us from NVCA, the Nordic, and, uh, Nordic Capital and Venture Association. Can you hear me, Ellen? I can hear you finally. And oh, perfect. And I can hear you. Great. So you are actually uh, having some positive trends compared to the rest. Uh, and we would love to learn more how you, from a venture perspective, are working uh, with this. Uh, and I know you have some really valuable insights to share on how you are going about it. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, thank you, Thea. Uh, and first of all, thank you so much both to Thea and Nora for doing a great job with the survey. It's been a pleasure working with you. Thank you for being a valuable partner. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so my name is Ellen. I'm the CEO of uh, Norwegian Venture Capital Association, uh, which represents the seed, venture and buyout funds in Norway. So these are active owners investing in uh, non-listed companies. Um, and these funds create great values to our society every year. But when it comes to diversity, we still have a, a way to go. So NVCA is part of this report to measure the progress and to get a better understanding of how we can support the industry to seize the many opportunities that are being missed. Uh, and we found some really interesting things uh, this year. Um, I will spend the next nine and a half minutes to talk about especially four findings. One of them is a positive one. Uh, it's not many of them, so I have to, <laughs> to highlight at least the one we have. Um, there's one surprising, at least with some surprising elements, and we have uh, two very important ones, especially for the investors uh, listening in. So first of all, let's uh, kick on uh, on uh, uh, kick off on a positive note and look at the positive uh, finding, uh, which is um, also the one that uh, Thea mentioned about the mixed teams. Uh, mixed teams uh, is performing good in Norway. Um, the survey shows us that with both men and women uh, in the team, you will spend less time in getting the money. And when you get them, you get more than both all men and all women's teams. So that's good news. Uh, it's hard to tell why this is. I have been thinking about it um, a lot. I think one of the possible explanations is that there are a lot of focus on diversity in Norway. Uh, the government has just recently launched a plan of action on how to get more female founders. 
Uh, actually, 33% of the Norwegian entrepreneurs are women. Um, it's not as good as we would like, but it's not extremely bad either. So, um, and I really also think that many of our investors, uh, my members, they want to see more female founders. They want to have female founders in their portfolio uh, of many good reasons. Um, if we look at it from a bit more critical angle, we can say that you might have a better chance to get funding if you have a man joining your team as a woman, um, because we see that all men's teams get a lot more than all women's teams. Um, I don't have the final answer. I'm, I'm happy to discuss that and to hear other explanations. Um, but anyways, I want to take the opportunity to encourage all male entrepreneurs uh, to team up with a woman because you'll spend less time in getting the money and when you get them you get more. So that was the first one. Uh, second, let's look at the finding with some surprising elements um, where we find another huge untapped potential which is uh, the sectors where women are focused. We see that women, uh, women are focused on um, sustainable impact tech uh, and on emerging businesses such as health tech and food tech that might be not be that surprising but a bit more surprising is um, the share of women in fintech and edtech. What might not be that surprising is that they are getting uh, very little of the funding in those industries. So here we are certain that we are missing big opportunities when we know that as Tay also mentioned um, women perform better in revenue compared to male founders. Uh, so someone, my members maybe, should really have a look at these sectors, uh, women in these sectors and exploit opportunities there. Then the third uh, and very interesting finding, uh, it's for, uh, unfortunately uh, not that pleasant, uh, but it's important uh, anyhow. Um, it's the finding that shows us that only 1.4% of the funding goes to all female teams in Norway. Uh, we sometimes explain this with uh, more men being entrepreneurs. Um, however, we don't think that's a good enough explanation because we know in Norway that one out of three new companies are started by a female entrepreneur. 33%, uh, as I mentioned, of the founders in Norway are women. Um, and at the same time, only 1.4% of the funding goes to female teams. I think the Nordic average was about 1.3 or something. Yeah. There's a huge gap there that we need to fill, which means uh, at least two things. We do, yes, we do need to, to get more female founders, but we also need more female investors, as they also highlighted. And the fourth uh, uh, finding is the one that shows an obvious correlation between women in investment decision-making roles and funder, uh, funding to female founders. And that's not surprising, not because um, all men have like bad intentions, <laughs> uh, but we do know that we tend to support people that look, behave or think the same way as ourselves. So with few women in the investment teams, we don't get the money into projects led by women. That's it's as simple as that. And we actually have a big problem if we increase the amount of female founders without, uh, without actually funding their businesses. Because then um, if more female founders uh, won't succeed, they will probably not inspire other women to be entrepreneurs. And then we have a downward spiral. Uh, so we need to focus on the huge untapped potential in getting more uh, talented women to join our VC and PE funds.
I love the guide you've already made. Uh, and we are doing uh, uh, quite a good work in MVCA ourselves, at least it takes a bit, uh, it takes up much of our time. Um, but it's important because if we manage to attract more women, we would probably see more uh, funding to female founders, uh, which will mean more successful businesses led by women, uh, which will inspire other women to become entrepreneurs. It will take time, but after a while, we know that successful uh, entrepreneurs move over to the investor sides of the table as well. And then we have a sustainable development uh, over time and also a sustainable um, development for the future. Um, on a longer perspective, of course. Um, so we have to admit it, it will take time. But we need more focus on the funding side of the table. Um, uh, it's, it's important to have more men invest in women, but also to, to inspire more women to become investors. Um, we spend a lot of time out on schools to meet young professionals, uh, young talents. We know that at Norway, Norwegian School of Economics, uh, seven, out of, seven out of 10 female bachelor students in finance choose strategy and leadership as a major when they reach master uh, level. Many of them ends up in consultancy. Seven out of 10 men chooses finance. And we also know, uh, based on meetings with students and pro young professionals, that the level of knowledge about our business is uh, quite low um, and the impression of us is a bit outdated and this is our responsibility to change we have to do something with that impression and the level of knowledge um, so we are trying to do to do it we work both on challenging the culture and the work-life balance in our funds uh, but we also have to work with the storytelling about our businesses because it's it is interesting to work in, uh, in venture capital. Yes, it is finance, definitely, but it's also about strategy, uh, commercialization, management, and having people skills. Um, and VC contributes to a great value creation in the society, to new innovative businesses and industries, and to the green shift. Um, and we have to show that, we have to communicate it better. I think that's extremely important. Uh, so that is a strong wish of mine that the investors think of how they communicate, how they are perceived, uh, percepted, and um, how they better can show all the fun and interesting uh, things they are doing. And of course, how they facilitate for a healthy work-life balance for both genders working for them. So yeah, I think that's, uh, to finish off, I think that's the biggest untapped potential is all the young, uh, talented women out there who can join us in moving the money. Um, moving the money is power and it's also great fun. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ellen, for that very elegant uh, walk us through what you're doing, what you're seeing. I One of the reasons why I love partnering up with you was your ecosystem perspective, that you really looked put upon it from a perspective of what are we doing, what's the input, what's the output, and what are the risks, and what are the possibilities. And I think you touched upon that getting more women, representation matters. We see that very clearly, and now we have data. So there's something about perceiving and there's something else about knowing. That's one thing. But I also love how you are also resonating that the knowledge transfer needs to accelerate and that change, yes, takes time, but we can accelerate it because as part of the VC, we're not just betting on the future, we're actually directing the future with our investments. 
Um, so I'm really looking forward to following your progress and see the results of this work uh, into next year. So thank you so much for this. Thank you. With that being said, Thea, are you ready to uh, welcome our next partners who's done an amazing work from a government perspective? Perfect. Without further ado, let me introduce you to Arash Sangari, very welcome, and Jenny Movin from Tillväxtverket and Startup Sweden. Thank you so Hi, much. Hi, and Hello. welcome. So you guys have uh, been a value partner in this report. You've been uh, informed and you have seen the progress and a little bit less progress. Um, what are your initial thoughts, um, knowing what we know now? Yeah, absolutely. And just uh, we work at the Swedish Agency of Economic and Regional Growth. And uh, basically, we offer three things to companies. It's networks, it's uh, financing, but it's also uh, knowledge. And uh, one of the major tasks that we have is uh, to make sure that the EU funds uh, that we receive is, uh, is invested into the regions and to promote uh, both regional growth, but also employment. So that's super important. And the um, program that I run at uh, Startup Sweden is a national program, which is basically targeting tech founders. And the reason why we started the, uh, the program was because we believe that entrepreneurship can be found everywhere, but opportunity is not. And our goal is to create those valuable and equal opportunities for startups from all over Sweden and making sure that they can really use that knowledge to leverage on that and to scale their companies globally. Amazing. And I would say, Jenny, what do you see is your, if you would explain your role at TFX Market and what you guys do? Yeah, sure. Um, so when it comes to funding, uh, the TVV has different roles. Um, we act as an LP for uh, about 4 billion Swedish corner in venture capital. Uh, but we also uh, have grants, uh, regional grants, targeting uh, investments uh, and, and topics like digital, digitalization and uh, uh, business development. Um, so being a public, uh, a public LP uh, sets, of course, um, high demands on, uh, on the, uh, um, the requirements that we set on these uh, significant amounts of uh, public money. Uh, and of course, we work uh, generally towards uh, inclusion and uh, diversity in general, but we also have followed, of course, uh, the question with uh, gender balance as well. And uh, what we have seen with our uh, largest GP that we fund, Almi Invest, we see that um, they have targeted this issue for a long time, uh, but they have seen the, the best impact is, as, as the report actually presents today, they see the best impacts of uh, an increased uh, mixed and female deal flow is when they have uh, increased the numbers of uh, female investment managers and fund managers around the country. So of course that really uh, makes difference. That's obvious. That's amazing. So you have actually seen result out of representation, making sure you have more female and then seeing more female founders getting investment. Well, yes, actually that's, that's Almi's uh, own um, work, uh, but they, they see, they have done these, uh, uh, they have had a special events around targeting female founders and, and uh, 
so on. But I think they've seen the far better uh, outcome when they've, uh, uh, I think they have about 50-50 in their investment organization now with uh, females and uh, males. So that's really good. And that's when they saw the greater impact. Amazing. And yeah. I know, Arash, uh, you guys have set some really valuable strategies into place where you actually can see results more than from a gender perspective. Could you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because it, today it's really easy to just see uh, the gender or the diversity problem as a pipeline or deal flow issue. But in some sectors, that might still be true. But uh, we have a really done uh, hard work during the last two years to make sure to change that perspective. And what we can see from last year is that in 2019, we had a gender split of 44% female founders and 56% male. But the most important figure is that we had over 60% of the participants was actually non-native founders. And that is also a super important issue to highlight uh, Gender diversity is good, but we should take a more general aspect when we look into those uh, perspectives going forward. And we, uh, as a program and as an agency and as a player in the startup ecosystem in Sweden, we have huge responsibility to make sure that the programs that we run are inclusive, uh, both in the in the making of the programs, how we set criteria, but also how we market and do the outreach that's super important and i think uh, i just want to highlight because i know and i've experienced it firsthand the strategies that you put in place was about being inclusive right yep. and then the diversity took care of itself right and your result speaks for itself you had 70 percent foreign uh, non-native uh, but if we're looking at the report uh, of this year and we're looking at a year ahead let's say a year what do you think what in what you're doing today will actually increase even more numbers for you uh, next year. Next year, well, we hope we can keep the same numbers as this year because it's really good and we are really proud of that. But I hope that we see more teams that are diverse that can really be included in different programs, not only in the programs that we run. But I, I hope that the knowledge and the awareness of this 2020 is much bigger than it is today. That's my hope for this. And we heard, Jenny, uh, the importance of accelerating that change coming from the venture capital part or the investment part. And we know that we've touched upon the responsibilities for LPs, mm -hmm. or at least not responsibility, but be having that catalytic effect yeah, on sure. change. Yeah. How can we... Con not convinced, but convey by looking at the data that is out there. Mm -hmm. That is not about experience. Uh, it is actually about information. Mm -hmm. um, how do we create better understanding of creating the strategies for LPs as well? Yeah, sure. Uh, no, I think, I mean, we obviously have, have a long way to go. Uh, and we started this work. And I think uh, sometimes I think the public can learn from the private sector as well. So I think there is a dynamic there to learn from each other. Uh, and I think it's maybe hard to put um, hard, hard facts demand in uh, business agreements and so on. So I think, I think it's more of increasing focus and working together with the GP and having a continuous dialogue. And, you know, uh, it's, it's a different, um, it's, it's, it's different to be an LP from a GP, obviously, and, and it's, it's important to keep it that way. 
but I think we as an agency and as an LP, we should continuously working on the whole sustainability part, whereas it's economic or it's social or if it's environmental. So I think in that bigger picture, uh, this gender issue is going to be more closely uh, followed, but also other factors uh, within the uh, sustainability umbrella, so yeah. to say. So this is the start or the beginning. Uh, so I think we will, I mean, as everyone else is doing, we also have to, to continuously work with this. Of course. Yeah. And I think what is important to highlight in this space is, like you mentioned, what can LPs and GPs together maybe look at it from, from the top of the ecosystem mm -hmm. perspective instead of just focusing on the deal flow and the change coming from the entrepreneurs that exist there mm. uh, and maybe meeting in the in the middle mm. would be the message we're sending a little bit sure and i mean yeah so it's it's between uh, making kind of hard demands within uh, agreements and having i think a fruitful dialogue uh, within the ecosystem and in combination to that having programs like start sweden so I think it's not only the money, but of course the money can be, should be smart money. And uh, so, so I think it's, it's, it's a lot of co-working to do going forward. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for being such a valued partner in this and making the report coming to life. Thank you. Thank you. Thea, so yes. we have had amazing uh, partners with us and the conversations are now continued. And I think what we have understood that this is just a start. This is not telling the industry, look where you are. This is, look where we can get to, right? Agreed. And can I say something? Or Of course. Oh. No, I just, I, I think it's amazing with these different perspectives that are coming, coming, coming to the table now with this session is that when you combine Sort of the reflections of, of from Paul about how actually now is the time for us not only thinking about the opportunity but we also need to be aware that there will be challenges of going backwards because of we are in time of change so I think having that extra perspective is actually something that we haven't touched upon in the report and I think that's one very important thing to have with and and also the the unique combination of having both public and private investors at the table today is is a quite unique setting. Tilvexvatki and Startup Sweden is actually being able to be every, everywhere from, from really pre-seed pre and even before people start thinking about building their businesses and all the way to, to the big rounds. And then you have the private sector with Ellen, who you can hear is really reflecting on how they can make the change. And I think that is what we have now we have eclectic from the different nordic regions but i think having a more more even tighter community where we have those different players at the same table uh, so not only the, the 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 private investors talking together or the public investors only the the e startup ecosystem with the startups but actually really creating that place where where we can learn across because there's some of the same things that are happening on each table that we can learn from to actually make a huge change um, you have to interrupt me, Nora, because I'm just continuing. And another thing that I also just want to mention that are, are, are what, what this is all about, it's about the founders, right? And I just want to say the same, the same thing we did last year. We actually didn't 
ask the founders that much to to explain why it was like this and what they experienced because in our view this is not the founder's problem to fix this is our problem to fix and this is our this is the opportunity that we should uh, make sure happens so but again but still despite of that we couldn't we couldn't actually avoid featuring some of these amazing founders in the report so besides having the more diverse um, pool of quote givers and insights givers for the report this year. We also actually have, have a pool of, of up and coming uh, founders that are featured. And, and this is just a small fraction, but it's also just to say, it's not a pipeline problem. They are out there. This is, this is what they're building. This is the incredible uh, positive impact that they are about to create. So, so, um, so I think it's really about having that visibility of the role models that are building is also super important. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and I think uh, just to highlight that as well, and going back to what we said initially, we had really big ambitions uh, together with our partners to add those uh, diversity measurements beyond gender. I think it's important to have that in, in retrospective as well or back of our heads because what we are also experiencing and also getting the feedback from many of the entrepreneur uh, communities is that the same reasons that many have used for why there aren't enough women in tech or women entrepreneurs. We've actually started using that for minority, uh, where we're looking at to age, ethnicity, mm -hmm. and so on. So we need to crush the, the notion of it's a pipeline and they don't exist. And coming back to the report, we can say, most certainly representation ha does matter. And it's about where you are and what you attract. Thank you. Um, I just want to uh, take this moment also and highlight that the report is live. You can find it on unconventional.vc. Now, I know many of you have written comments and questions in the chat. So what we will do is that we will download the questions and we'll make sure to answer them, whether it's us or our partners together on LinkedIn. So you have the Q&A today that we will attach to that. In addition, the report is, is, is live make sure to spread or at least make sure to look internally. What are you doing? Where are you at today? And what can we together learn from each other? Because I think the knowledge transfer is super important, whether it be from investors to entrepreneurs, but amongst our investors as well, as much as amongst entrepreneurs. Uh, we need those stories to be told. We need those experiences from every perspective and everyone to be out there so we can create those best practices. And I think we're at a moment in a really critical moment. Uh, we have never seen so much change in such a short amount of time. And change can be accelerated in a good way or a bad way. And I think what we have in front of us is some really exciting times where we can actually be part of directing that change and in looking at from uh, from a macro perspective and working in micro uh, i urge you to also look into your own communities that you exist whether that be from an investor perspective or community perspective that what we need to do is also without 
going too deep into it, look into what can we from that, those best practices also not just create, but learn and how can we also monitor because the data is super important and we need to make sure that every voice is heard. But finding that way, I think we need to be very transparent. So transparency, I would say, I personally believe it off with. So yeah, what would you say? I agree. And I think um, maybe also to add one thing that I, I really think we should as investors really um, work on is not being so afraid about what that transparency reflect. Because what we can see from the data is that there is there is huge opportunity because of a funding gap. So there, there's no secrecy there. Um, so, so in the investment com community, I think it's there's an there's um, an exercise to be made among the investors to be more open and and also for the public um, to be more open for those um, those uh, those data and and actually say we we want the transparency and we're not going to arrest you we know it's a process and and we're all in it together sounds yeah. Okay. Happy go lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Thea. Thank you so much, Tilvexverket and Startup Sweden. Thank you so much, NVCA. Thank you so much, UBS. And I would also addition to like to mention Alme Invest. Thank you so much for being part of this. Canopy Lab. Thank you. But also uh, slash and so I don't forget. I know I forgot somewhere. Nordic Innovation. Thank you, Nordic Innovation. Truly amazing to have you uh, as part of this and really looking into creating those strategies and seeing where we might end up with the impact next year. So thank you so much to everyone who tuned in today and shared this hour with us. Thank you. Thank you, bye.